Hello, Timberwood Youth. We are so excited to come before you and start our panel for middle schoolers. And today we are going to be just hitting a lot of questions that you guys asked. Before that, please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for the opportunity you have given us through electronics and through Zoom to reach out to our students, to share our hearts, and to be able to talk a little bit about what life looks like with you and with each other and to tackle the questions that don't really get asked a lot or answered a lot from the stage or in our groups. So Father, I pray that you continue to guide us in this conversation and that you allow us to just speak from the heart. In your name I pray, amen. So I got an icebreaker for you. This icebreaker is what is your favorite book of the Bible and why? Um, mine is Ephesians. I like Ephesians because it talks about how being in love and also um, the armor of God, if you don't know what that is, um, was like the first thing as a believer that I was encouraged to memorize and recite every day. And it's about, um, it's in Ephesians 6, and it's about putting on like a spiritual armor um, kind of like you are going into war. And so if you ever read it and have questions, see me out because I would love to discuss it with you further. Awesome. Joy. Okay. Well, I picked Ephesians as well. And I picked it because it is all about Jesus and the gospel is clearly explained. And this book also applies to everyone because it shows us that we are not what we do own, accomplish, or think about ourselves as we are who we are because of Jesus and who he is. And that's why I picked Ephesians. Awesome. Sarah? Uh, mine's always been Second Timothy. One of, like, one of the first youth leaders I ever had at Timberwood was just like, I love Paul. And like, he preached on Second Timothy or taught on Second Timothy that year. And it's just like this really beautiful book because I think it's it's Paul's last letter that we have. And Paul's like, Timothy, like, do not let people look down on you because you're young because Timothy is so young. And I think that that's just such an awesome message, especially for you guys, because it's like you're capable of just as much as any other being on the planet. So and it's it's just a, it's a gorgeous letter. I just love it. Awesome. And Carl. Yeah, my, my favorite book has always been, well, I don't know what always, but as long as I can remember, has been Acts. Um, I just love the excitement and how, how on fire people were with the early church and uh, seeing how bold they were, and that always um, excites me. So I've, I've really enjoyed the book of Acts. Uh, I will also respond to this question. Mine is uh, Song of Solomon. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I think my favorite book of the Bible, and um, yeah, it's currently Galatians. We've studied it for our youth leadership team, and what I have found, fell in love with with Galatians is that Paul is talking to a group of people who are wrestling with, how do I become part of the Christian kingdom, and how do I interpret the law, and am I inside the law or outside of the law, and, and they're confused. And so Paul comes in and says, here's how you guys have been looking at it. Here's how you should be looking at it. And he gives us this beautiful picture of how uh, we can be in a more personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. There are 
four categories that we will be discussing today. The first category that we will be starting in is the functions of God. Now, the functions of God category is just questions relating to who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, and how do they interact with that. With that, I would like to uh, open up this question to Carl. And the question is, is the Holy Spirit also in animals, plants, rocks, and water? Well, so one thing, you know, and this is important as middle schoolers, one thing that um, you can do is, um, you know, a lot of these questions are available for you to find yourself. And what I did to answer these questions is I just went right to the Bible. Uh, the nice thing you guys have is the internet nowadays, so you can quickly find um, passages. Um, so basically, I don't, you know, when I went to the Bible, I didn't find any evidence anywhere where it said that the Holy Spirit was in um, in rocks or animals, I'm trying to find my note here, um, or, or plants. Uh, what I did find was a few verses where it talked about um, if people didn't praise God, that the, that the rocks or the trees would cry out. Uh, I did a little looking at this through different, um, you know, commentaries. And basically some people say that could just be poetry. But as we know, God can do what he wants. So he could very well mean that if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. What I did find, though, um, and my favorite book of the Bible is Acts. And in there, it talks about when the Holy Spirit actually comes in and dwells um, the first people. I'm just going to read part of that here, um, if I can find it. So it's Acts 2, beginning of Acts 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we see an example of the Holy Spirit filling people. There's many other examples in the New Testament of that. Um, I did not find any evidence of the Holy Spirit filling animals or plants or rocks. So that's kind of the, the take I have on that. Would anybody else like to respond to this question as well? Perfect. Yes, Carl. Um, you are absolutely right. And one thing I just want to make super clear is that the Holy Spirit does only function within human beings. The Holy Spirit can use other physical elements to interact with human beings. We see examples of that, but I do want to just stress that the Holy Spirit only resides in human beings. <clears throat> the next question that we have in this same category, uh, is God selfish because he created us for his glory? And I'll have Sarah answer that. So I think that that's... I think that's a really great question because that's that's something that I still ask and I'm obviously a little bit older than you guys. Um, but no. Um, so God, you know, God has, God is everything. God has everything. And one of the best things I think anybody's ever told me is that God is just, you know, he created us for his glory, but it's not that he needed us to glorify him. It's more of like his glory is just so overflowing and, just so much that it just naturally spills over and in that case it, it meant that he created us um and that in turn we were able to glorify him back because we were a result of his glory spilling over so sometimes that means that we you know maybe don't choose to glorify him so well but um we really do have that ability um 
And that's something that I think that we can really ask him for and ask him to lead us and direct us is God, how can I glorify you? How can I reflect back to you? How incredible and awesome and mighty you are. So I think that's how I would answer that one. Yeah. Perfectly love it. Does anybody else want to weigh in as well? All right. Moving on. Thank you, by the way, Sarah. Um, why didn't God destroy us then? And that will also be for you. Fuck you, Sarah. Yeah, that one. I mean, there are multiple instances in the Old Testament pre-Jesus where God's like, I, I, I just need to wipe out this people group because they're just, they're not doing you know wonderful marvelous awesome things they're worshiping idols that will bring them nothing um and then each of those times you see like moses intercede on behalf of the israelites and say god no like we want people to see that you're a merciful and mighty god and so um and I, you guys can help me out with this one but you know the coming of jesus is kind of god's way of saying okay well i can't you know god can't look on sin but he wants to have a relationship with us and to be able to look on us so jesus um coming to earth and you know glorifying the father by dying and then being resurrected three days later is kind of that intercession um i don't know how you define intercession um on our behalf so that you know god doesn't god's free to just not that you know god is limited but god can just love us and not there isn't that barrier of sin in the way um, i guess how would you guys respond to that? i'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on that one can you repeat the question sure the question in general is why hasn't god destroyed us human beings uh, i believe the question comes from the point of you know we are human beings we are always leaning towards sin and so why, why does God choose to continue to allow us to live? I guess I would say two things. One, um, why, if he wanted to just destroy us, why would he have Jesus die for us? Mm -hmm. um, and so that doesn't, those two don't go together. And I think that that Jesus came and died for us so we could spend and be with God. And that comes strictly out of his love for us. And so he, um, you know, wants us to worship him and glorify him. And so he's not going to destroy us because we mess up because there's a way to him, even though we're not perfect because of Jesus. That's what I got. Right. Uh, one word that Sarah used that I really liked was intercession. Uh, just explain that a little bit. We have been in Galatians with our leadership group. And part of Galatians is this concept that God is the only redeeming key factor promised even in the Old Testament to come for the sake of human beings. So human beings never really had the ability to be perfect in God's eyes. They never had the ability to reach the level that God was asking us to reach in relationship. So it was always an intended purpose for Jesus to come because he was the only perfect 
response to how does human beings come into relationship with God and overcome this nature of sin. Uh, in the same breath of who is God, our next question will be answered by Carl. What did Jesus do before we, he was a human on earth? Well, this is kind of a cool uh, question. I remember actually not thinking a lot about this when I was you guys' age. And then when I hit high school, um, one of my youth leaders actually brought this up. And he had us read um, actually the book of John, the first chapter of John. I actually have that here. I'm just going to read part of it too. But um, so in, in John 1, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. So then we're asking like the word, well, who is the word? Well, it says, so the word became human and made him his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So, I mean, they're basically what John's saying there is that Jesus was around right at the beginning. In fact, the earth was created through Jesus. And if you, if you look at the New Testament, there's many examples of people that were lived with Jesus, that were taught by Jesus, referring to events in the Old Testament where Jesus was present. And that, that just kind of blew my mind. Like, for some reason, my mind thought like, oh, you know, Jesus didn't exist until, you know, he came to earth. But, you know, the confusing part about all this, and I still, as an adult, don't understand it all, is, is the, you probably heard about the Trinity or the triune God, you know, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus always was and always will be, but for our minds to comprehend that, it's it's really hard. So he, so Jesus was there when, when the earth was created. Um, there's even a passage I saw where it said Jesus led the Israelites out of Egypt. I mean, it, it's, it's a confusing thing, but he's always been. As that's how I take, that's how I look at it. Fantastic. I absolutely love it. <laughs> So we are going to move into our next category then. In this category, for some, uh, is actually one of our most rough or raw categories in its personal life. What happens in this category are questions from students who are wrestling with how do we respond to the more difficult processes of life within ourselves. And so when we are answering these questions, it's, what do we do as human beings? How do we wrestle with what is before us? The first question in this category is this. What do you do when you feel abandoned, unloved, alone in the journey of life? And Joy, would you like to take us away? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, this is a very personal question for me. And that is why... I chose to answer it um, because this is how I lived the first 35 plus years of my life, um, believing that I was abandoned, that I was unloved, and that I was alone in life. Um, I had had so many things happen to me that verified that this was true, and so it became who I was and how I lived and what I thought, even as a Christian. Um, nothing ever got beyond the wall that I had built in my life. And um, that was my belief system and just the way that 
I lived. And truthfully, I thought that I was really stuck and miserable and I didn't have a choice in how anything was ever gonna um, turn out. Um, I had chosen to follow Christ and I had friends and yet no one knew of the um, true desperateness in my heart. And it wasn't until that I was introduced to a series of classes that gave me tools to learn that um, Jesus Christ really loved me. Um, I had to believe it um, and who I was in Christ and all that God had done for me that things began to change the feelings of abandonment, the feelings of being unloved and alone. Um, and I had a huge paradigm shift in how I thought and how I believed. And that was what made the big difference for me. Thank you for sharing, Joy. Yeah. And in that same avenue, uh, I just want to get to the next question that touches on the same topic that how do you deal with depression, Joy? Um, well, I went to the internet and got the, de the definition of depression. And that is a disease or disorder that happens to your brain. And it isn't something that you just get over. Um, it is because of the chemicals and the electricity in your brain aren't functioning properly. And that has taken, that definition came from the NAMI website. Um, so that being said, I have depression. And I've had depression since I was 14 years old. Um, I don't deal with it. I live with it and treat it with the help of a great doctor. It um, is not all medication. There are many, of, many pieces of my life that um, I choose to have work together. My relationship with God is my top priority and believing the word. I couldn't do life without God and the word of God. Um, I also have the piece of exercise in my life eating correctly, very little junk food, very little processed food makes a, a big difference. Getting enough rest is key and self-care and good friendships. And I know that if um, one of these areas of my life begins to fall off, that I can quickly spiral. So it's really good for me to keep all of these things in sync and that is how I deal with depression. And that doesn't mean that how I deal with depression is right for everyone, that that is the way that they should deal with depression. Um, I believe that it is most important to tell someone to get in contact with a medical professional, and that is where you need to start. Thank you so much for sharing your heart on that. Yeah. <clears throat> In our next question then, this is to Carl, and this is just a general struggle question. What is the purpose of living, and is it to die or something else? It seems like it's more than just a general question. <laughs> <laughs> very, very personal. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, you know, I just read an article, and, and something that Sarah said actually reminded me of it. Um, you know, one thing she mentioned was being created to reflect God's glory. Um, 
I mean, that's why he created us. And the, the article I read was, um, can Christians have fun? And, you know, I got, it, it was, it actually said my mind better than anything I've ever read. Um, basically, people look at Christians is what the article is saying is they can't have fun. They have all these rules. And uh, I would just like to, you know, challenge that and agree with this article. They were saying basically that Christians have and can have more fun. Um, you know, when, when I look at the purpose of living, like Jesus, when he left, he, his last thing he said to us was to go into all the nations and make disciples. So, I mean, I, I view that as my main goal. Um, and that sounds boring to people, but I would challenge you. And I know like everyone in, in this call, you know, Amanda, Joy, and Sarah have all been on a missions trip. Um, I challenge you to go on a missions trip and tell me you don't have the time of your life um, sharing God's love with others. You, you, you make new friends. Um, you stretch yourself to new things you, you've never done before. So um, purpose of living, yeah, I would say to, you know, it's clear to spread God's love. And then there's also, there's other commands that Jesus told us, you know, that he, he said something like the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is to love others as yourself. So again, the loving others as yourself is, is reflecting his glory to others. Um, and so that, you know, the purpose of living, yeah, some people see it as, um, constraining and, and boring. I say it's it's freeing to um, have that as your goal. And so if I don't have the ability, I being just the general audience, if we don't have the ability to go on a missions trip, what are some other ways that we can experience serving and um, this kind of community aspect that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I deal with it every day. I go to work, so I'm dealing with uh, multiple people. I have uh, a group of friends I play board games with. Um, one of the guys recently said, you know, a lot of those are your church friends, aren't they? Yeah, so that opened up a conversation to talk about that. I mean, he, he saw something in us that we were different. Um, just going to the grocery store and, and being kind to people in line or, um, you know, there's little things you can do that can lead to bigger things. You don't always have to be walking around um, preaching to me is just a way you live your life and uh, you'll see a lot of these questions tie into that but it, you know you'll see questions about growing closer to God and all those things will will change your whole your whole life even Joyce talked about depression and how she deals with that um, living your life different as other people are going to see it and, and they're going to question it so you'll have opportunities to reach out you don't have to go to Detroit or Poland or Spain or wherever you can do that right where you are now that's my thoughts anyway <laughs> Very good thought. <laughs> Thank you so much. <clears throat> then moving forward, Sarah, this is a question for you. The question is, how do you choose between your religion and your sexuality? Uh, this person asking says, my family says it is a sin, but can you do both? And I would like to open the floor to you. Yeah, um, that's definitely a question that's come up, I think, more often. And, you know, I, first of all, like, commend you that you, like, I want to follow Jesus and all this. I want to follow God. Um, and I think that that's the critical point here. Um, so I guess my, what I think of the question is we tend to see things um, it's very dichotomous 
And I think that as far as sexuality goes, we still don't have the language to speak properly on it. Um, and we don't have the language yet to speak, or we aren't, we don't speak lovingly on the topic. I would argue that as far as your sexuality goes, what we as believers are called to do is we are called to imitate God. Um, you see Paul iterate that multiple times throughout all of his letters. He's like the imitators of Christ. Um, you know, <laughs> the Ephesians 5 um, is a really good, the opening of that is really good as far as that goes. Do you have <laughs> Ephesians 5 with you? I, I really do. I would need to set down my phone though. Or um, somebody would like to look it up and- uh, Does someone with hands wanna grab that? I have it <laughs> right here. It's Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Okay. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I, yeah. I really love verse two. It's just like, we don't use the word fragrant ever. It's like, oh, there's a flower that's fragrant. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, you smell it and it just like fills your senses. Like, that's all you can think about. It's like, oh my gosh, this flower smells so amazing. And maybe that's not necessarily like, you need to smell amazing. But I mean, that's certainly a plus. Um, <laughs> but, but like, you know, you want to be this fragrant offering to God. Like, you want people to walk by you and be like, wow, something's different about that. Like, I noticed that person. That person is fragrant um, in a good way. But I think that as far as this question goes, something that we really try to do is we try to go, well, what should I not do? And it's like, I don't know that that's the question you should be asking. You should be asking yourself, how can I get closer to God? How can I be more Christ-like? Um, and I think from there, you know, answers will come. Yeah. Anybody else? Would you guys like to weigh in? No, I, I totally agree with um, with Sarah on that last part, especially where um, things I've questioned or struggled with, um, I find when I just focus on the issue um, and try to work things up myself, it, nothing good ever comes of it, nothing ever happens. If I focus on growing my relationship with Jesus, um, you know, striving to be with him 24-7, um, praying constantly in the word, learning from others. Things work themselves out. I, I get clarity in my answers. Um, and, you know, like all these questions we're answering, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about it in the Bible. I mean, it's all in the Bible. And, yeah. you know, some of these questions, we just wonder things and we don't even check into them ourselves. And, and uh, you know, I know the Bible seems confusing, but the more you read it and you have people like Aiden and Chris talking about it Wednesday night, like think, things will get clearer the more and more you, you read it, I promise you. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, we talked about the Holy Spirit being in you. You know, that's the Holy Spirit's purpose is to to make things clear to us. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit will guide us if, if that's what we want. And and if we're reading the Bible, it'll things will, things will make sense, I promise. Anyone else? I would also just say that I, did. I think people are scared of their sexuality and it's this like taboo thing that people don't want to talk about or people don't want to engage in and God created it for a purpose between to a man and a wife who are married and so 
I, I think it's something to, to discuss and to talk about and grapple with and, and know that it's not a bad thing. I think sex tends to be this thing that no one, you know, it's embarrassing and no one wants to talk about, but there is, there was a purpose for it. And I would encourage you to read in the Bible about, you know, what the purpose of sexuality was and why God created it to be a thing. I don't know. All right. Joy, did you have any words for us? No, I just, I agree with Amanda, you know, go to the, um, go to the word of God and check out what the word of God says about it. Awesome. Uh, one thing I personally want to share on this subject that I think is just important for our students to hear is that one, when wrestling with our sense of identity in general and sexuality, of course you're going to. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to middle schoolers who are going through many transitions in life and many things don't always make sense. That is the age you guys are in. So first of all, just hear that it is normal to wrestle with these kind of issues. It is normal to handle these kind of topics and to not really know where you land. Second of all, wherever you land, we are about loving you. So we want to have a conversation. We want to have you in our groups. And honestly, all we ask, all that we want to see in every single one of our students is a continued relationship with Jesus, a continued foundation of identity built in Jesus. Whatever happens beyond that point is for conversation to walk with you. We are all about doing things together in this wonderful community of Timberwood and the church. Amen. <clears throat> Absolutely. And moving forward then, the next question, and this is for you, Amanda, is how do I approach my parents with sensitive and personal issues? Or how do I approach somebody that should know what I'm dealing with, but I just don't know how to tell them? Um, I looked at this question from a middle schooler because I myself was a middle schooler. And I also looked at this question as a parent. And so you're gonna get a little bit of both of this from my answer. Um, so know that I was you guys and I had all the questions and all the things just as, just as much as you do. And I had things that I struggled with to talk to my parents or my parents didn't understand or they didn't hear me or all the, you know, me and my parents didn't get along as middle schoolers. Um, and so when I was a middle schooler, and so I hear you and this is hard. So um, the first thing I thought about is praying about it. Whatever the thing is, is that you want to talk to them about or anyone, I would always encourage you to go to God with it first, because number one, this is not a surprise to him. He knows your struggles. He knows your heart and he wants to handle it and help you with it. Um, second thing, if you're going to your parent, um, as a parent, my kids tend to come to me as we're getting in the car and want to like have this huge conversation. And I'm like, we got to go. What? This is not the time to discuss a really intimate, a really big thing for your heart. And so I would ask, I would have you think about a good time or ask your parent, is there a time that you and I can just hang out? Especially if you're coming to them with like really big heart issues, 
not if you want to buy something or you want to go somewhere, but like I'm talking things that are weighing on you about you or life or friends, find a good time to do that. Don't do it as you're running out the door because you're probably not going to get the answer that <laughs> the, the response that you're looking for. Um, also, I would encourage you to be honest and open always, um, to lay it out on the table, to not hold it in and to, it's going to be, it may be uncomfortable. It may be, um, you're going to feel really vulnerable and really scared and that's normal. That's anytime, even if I want to talk to, you know, a friend about something serious, I feel that way still. And so that's okay, but be honest because I feel like God wants you to let it out. The more we keep things in, the more it's going to eat at you, the more the lies can run in your head. So, um, so be honest and open. And if you've tried with your parent or your guardian or grandma, whoever, and they don't hear your heart, I would encourage you to find another trusted adult to have that conversation with. And so whether that be someone in this group, your small group leader, a teacher, um, you know, a neighbor, someone that hears your heart and really wants to um, love on you and talk to them and be honest and be open. And so that's what I'd have to say. Right. And I really do appreciate, Amanda, that you talked about opening that communication with the parents or our guardians or whoever are we're directly with first. I think it's important to always start in the home. And yes, by Amanda's words, please, if you're not heard there, find somewhere where you are heard. <clears throat> so our next question then is how can I strengthen my relationship with Jesus Christ? And Carl, that one is for you. Uh, I look at this question like, how do you, you know, strengthen your relationship with anybody or, um, or even looking at it a different way, like, you know, how do you get better at something? I mean, I know a lot of you are in sports or have a, a hobby how much time do you put into that? Um, you know, if you have good friends, how much time do you spend with them? And so what I'm getting is it, it takes practice and it takes time. And if you aren't putting either those into it, it isn't going to happen. And so what are some, some specific ways you can do it? I mean, if you're watching this right now, that's one way is, is uh, learning from others and from, um, from people. You could find a mentor, which could be your youth leader. It could be your parent. It could be a pastor. Um, Reading the Bible, which we've talked about many times today. Um, prayer, that's something I really need to work at, but um, praying is a, is a great way. Uh, let's see, I wrote a few down. I'll see if I missed anything. You know, one thing I do a lot that um, I find is kind of weird that a lot of people don't do, but I listen to a lot of Christian music. Um, what it does is it just gets my mind in the right place. I'm not saying don't listen to other music, but I'm just saying, like, if you want to grow and, and be... Um, closer to Jesus, you know, live like, like he did or, or would. And, and I feel like constantly um, thinking on him would be the best, best way to do it. Um, and, and just making things a habit. I mean, some things aren't easy. Like for instance, when I, this winter, I wanted to get in shape and lose some weight. And I, every day I was working out at the same time every day. You know, are you getting up at the same time every day to pray? Are you doing, um, you know, Bible study at the same time? You know, some people don't have to, but other people, if they don't, don't get in a routine, they don't do it. So those are, those are some things that I do. 
Um, you know, and also I'm in a group with some guys. We're studying a, a different book of the, the Bible um, different months. You know, having people keep you accountable is a good way to do that. I mean, if you're trying to do something on your own and you have a bad week, no one's going to know about it. If you have, say, Aiden saying, hey, Carl, did you do your study this week? You're going to have that little voice in the back of your head every day saying, oh, if I don't do this, Aiden's going to know. Aiden's going to know. So, I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but it, it, it's good to have people keeping you accountable to um, to grow and just being open. And then another important thing that a lot of us have a hard time doing now is just listen. Um, we can study and do and do all kinds of things, but are we actually listening um, for the voice of God in our lives and, and looking around him for where he's working? And, and that's something I think we really need to work on. Wonderful. I don't know if anyone else has any other ways. Yeah, does anybody else want to? I would just say that you can't trust someone or something if you don't spend time with them. And so that relies, you know, with our personal relationships, the more I spend time with someone, the more I'll, I will trust them. And the same thing would go with your relationship with God. How can you trust Jesus, God, if you don't spend time with them? Are there any other responses? All right. Uh, our next question then is to Amanda. How can I love myself better? Um, I also, once again, my answer is knowing that in middle school, as a middle schooler, I did not love myself. Um, and also as an adult now of learning how to love myself better each day. So um, middle school's hard, you guys. It's one, I'm gonna be honest, it's one of the times in my life that I wouldn't wanna go back to. And so it's hard and it's okay to say it's hard, but know that you're not gonna be there forever. And so um, first thing, it kind of relates back to what joy and what has been discussed already is that you were created for a purpose and God loves you and to start there. Um, give yourself grace and forgiveness. If you mess up, it's okay. It's okay to say I messed up and um, move forward beyond that. That mess up doesn't define who you are. Um, and so to, to know that you're loved and there's someone beyond what you can see loving you and that's God. I would also pray for God. He created you with certain qualities and certain things about you that are unique to you. And that's the cool thing. We're not all just robots of the same clone. And so pray to God and say, God, why did you create me to do this? And I think he'll reveal it to you of certain little things about you and then use those gifts and celebrate them and love on people and, and be you and be confident in who you are because he created you. And that's the cool thing about you is we all have things that are different. And so celebrate them and, 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 um, just thank God for those. And I think that you will, um, be more comfortable with who you are and your own skin and know that, um, yeah, you're, you're you and that's good. And middle school's hard. <laughs> that's all I'm going to end with. Middle school's hard. I think that's very well spoken. Now, in celebration, we have hit our half point. 
well, actually for our first video, our conclusion. So thank you very much for tuning in this week, guys. We will get our second part to you next week. <laughs> Sweet. I would love to close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity you have given us to just speak into these questions that our students have shared. And I ask that at least something is learned by each of our viewers and that they have the opportunity to know that we heard their heart and we want to respond in earnest to the questions that they have asked. In your name I pray, amen.